for choosing Foxco for your podcast host needs. Someone will get to you in just a second. There are 12,312 people ahead of you. If you'd like to maintain your place in line and receive a call back for your podcast host, please leave your number. Hi, this is John. Sorry, wrong number. That's so mean. <laughs> you, you, you you wake my ass up way too early to record with you, and then you know I'm not even going to say what happened. I think I think we should. Re- what happened th- didn't happen. <laughs> I think we should rephrase that, John. I say to attempt to record with you. Yeah, you see, no. I think this. I think this is a show first. I mean, we have had technical problems many times. We have had you forget to press record on many, many occasions and uh, batteries run out. But I think I think this is the first time that we have started the recording and then one of us has forgotten to speak into the microphone. And which one of this <laughs> which one of us might that be? I think John that, that will be the younger of the two. <laughs> oh, that's that's like a double shit thing. <laughs> Okay. All right. Fine. I, you know, I, I understand that I, you know, as uh, as the senior member of this podcast, am supposed to kind of accept more, you know, more more shit than than the younger members of us. And in fact, I did receive some during this week. Didn't didn't our best friend of the show, Michael Curtis, say something mean? I mean, something. Yeah, he he did make a very amusing mention that he was hoping that when um, you went into the. Re- Recording studio with James Dempsey in the breakpoints that you weren't the person responsible for pressing record, which I did think was very, very amusing. Mm-hmm. It, uh, I check Twitter when I sort of you know, wake up in the morning. I sort of do sort of five ten minutes of just general browsing of shit to just like begin my day and you know prepare myself for the rest of the shit in the day. But um, oh. it's uh, yeah, so that that did. Begin my day with a great, great wonder the other day. So thank you for that, Michael. But uh, mm. yeah, you are only the older of us now because you had a birthday this week, didn't you? I did. And as I said on the prior attempt to record this, <laughs> when you were asking me what things, are, what other incompetences <laughs> have I been demonstrating? And I said, well, staying young. Uh, yes, I did have a birthday this this Monday. And as I was saying, uh, you know, there are things that you can get away with when you're when you're younger and sleep deprivation and functioning on sleep deprivation doesn't seem to be one of those things. And there's nothing so sleep deprivation provoking as having a teenage child. But I will survive. We will survive. Uh, I would screw that. I would say having children who are like a few weeks old is probably more sleep deprivating. But teenage children are pretty sleep deprivating. I mean, it depends on which teenage children, of course. But there we are. It's whether they're yeah, late, well, late, late night partying or you're doing the, the 3 a.m. taxi run or whatever it might be. No, I think, as I've said many times, that my great punishment in life is having a child who has me for a father. <laughs> so, <laughs> you did really deserve yourself, didn't you? I did. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, well, tell us about your grand accomplishments this week, Scotty. Well, I don't know if I've had any accomplishments, um, but uh, I, I've had a little bit of fun this week. Um, what can I talk about? Let's uh, let's see. Okay. Yes. Um, I uh, working on a command line tool at the moment uh, for one of the projects I'm working on, and so this week I had my first experience of the Swift argument parser um, Swift package that is open sourced by Apple. Uh, you know, the idea behind this package is if you're having um, you're writing a command line application or a command line tool, which I suspect is about six people. 
uh, out there, uh, then this is a bunch of protocols and base classes that you can use to define which arguments that your command line takes. And then uh, it does all sorts of nice things for you. It uses, um, it's based on the Swift property wrappers. Uh, so that came with Swift 5.1, so, you know, fairly modern Swift. And, yeah, so it allows you to set up a class that defines which sort of properties, um, sorry, which sort of arguments or options or flags that your command line tool can take and it allows you to sort of annotate them with uh, values and transforms and help and so out of it gets to when you run your command line application and it goes through the swift argument parser uh, it gives you automatically things like if you put the minus h in it lists you all the arguments you can have and your your thing accepts and presents the help for those that you've annotated it with uh, allows you to set things up so it will validate stuff so you can val you know make an enum type uh, a string based enum type an argument and it will check automatically for you that it matches one of the strings of the valid enum if it's a valid argument in your command so basically it it just removes shitloads of work from you know which is really dull really boring and just doesn't really get you anywhere down the path to that sort of stuff so you know i've not dug into it massively deeply because the command line stuff I'm writing is fairly simple. It requires a couple of arguments, can take a couple of options and a couple of flags, but I guess that deals with everything, argument, options and flags. Um, and it's been really, really good. So if you ever need to write um, anything that does command line argument parsing, then um, I would highly recommend it. That does sound good. I'll put a link in show notes. You should. I've 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 written a couple of command line tools. I did them a million years ago, um, and I was astounded. It was a kind of a breakthrough uh, understanding in my in my career, and that uh, it was back in the day of, of web objects. And there was a lot of uh, I wanted to build a command line tool that could ingest media files. And the reason for that is that you could have multiple of them running from a, a launch script, each with different arguments, and 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 it would read a, a configuration file. It's pretty sophisticated, and I was just thrilled to death that I could use my, you know, the 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 business logic classes, the model classes, and 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 a bunch of I basically use all the stuff minus the 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 rendering, you know, the 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 classes that rendered, you know, the UI to to HTML and and whatnot. And it was it was just glorious. But then I also realized that there's a lot of boilerplate, and, and I kind of did the the minimum viable work. And then I always I was always amazed at how sophisticated some command line tools can be. Even now, I mean, it was a kind of an art form back in the in the in the days when when there was only Unix with no GUI on top of it, and then the funny things they would do with text to show you know progress and and, and whatnot. But, yeah, command well, line tools can be fun. I mean, let's consider a command line tool that everybody uses. Now, you may not use it as a command line tool, but it's a command line tool. Git. Yeah, I do. Uh, and just think of the number of configurations of command lines mm. uh, that there is and the amount of processing that, you know, would go into working out if you had the combinations of commands correct. Mm. So, you know, before you even get into all the complicated shit that Git does anyway, this is just making sure you're providing valid valid parameters so um yeah yeah a git is probably better an excessive example because i should imagine it has more more sort of uh, options than, than many many command line tools but anything you know it's like in the old days i don't know what it was like on on the mac because this was 
before my time when you you know would have been in classic mac or whatever when you had to do this but you know when i first got into windows development uh you know the concept of of class libraries for windows development only just come in um so and you would have to do a whole bunch of stuff so you still had to do a whole bunch of boilerplate like set up your first window set up your event loop and all this sort of stuff and i remember doing this and it was took bloody ages and you know but it was like you know the old crusties of the development world at some said oh you should be grateful we used to have to write all of this by hand and all the rest of it whereas yeah, what is now file new in Xcode or in Visual Studio or whatever it might be? Yeah, was your first three weeks of your project or whatever in the old days? So it's um, yeah, we so uh, anything like this is uh, is great. So yeah, if you have to write a command line tool, uh, or you just want to play with command line tools, or you want to look at how to design something nicely that uses uh, Swift property wrappers, then get, go take a look at it because it's open source and you can see all the code. Fantastic. And, what about yourself, sir? How have you been making the uh, the world a better place? Uh, well, slowly but surely, you know, uh, in two areas. One is is I'm I I've just gone a somewhat gangbusters with this dynamic component library that I've been working on, and I, I really can't call it a library. It's a collection of components, and they do build on each other. And I'm proud of them about how they work. And I created them because I wanted to be able to to solve some problems with adaptive layouts. Um, and it, it came at a fortuitous time because there there's an effort uh, to be able to to have you know a, con- a consistent design language. It's something that that's been in place for a long time. But there's a new effort to be able to to make it easier to to be able to implement it by centralizing some assets and accessing them in, in a consistent way. So that this library of vector artwork. Um, uh, is made available on all platforms, and there's there's data that that describes it that gets pulled down. Then then uh, colleagues of mine wrote a, a mechanism for turning it automatically into a Swift package, and then with enumerated types using code generation. So it's a lot easier. So instead of having to you know deal with a bunch of of you know uh, unmanaged assets, you know uh, uh, with no naming convention and and whatnot, and no metadata around them, and no services around them, it comes up you kind of very very beautifully managed and 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 easy to use and it was really nice because we started integrating that work with with the work i did for for my dynamic icon view and dynamic icon button and all the subclasses that provide special purposes things for things like pill buttons or or remind me buttons or and and so on and so forth so it handles you know um all these different things you know uh, uh animations and emoji and, and images i've been talking about it for a while now but seeing it come together made me very happy and i think it's good because uh you know, I, it's, you know, speaking of getting old, it's, it's coming up on my sixth year on, on the team and the, the bloom is still very much on the rose. And, and it's, it's of course a very different feeling now than it was when I started, when the, the charter was, you know, take what was an HTML, CSS, JavaScript, you know, app with a native video player to a native through and through. And, you know, you, you, we spent a year at the time, you know, kind of rebuilding an app with no real new features, but with the promise since realized of, 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 of something we could build on and test and, 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 you know, uh, you know, improve and, and innovate on with, without all the, the kind of constraints that, that a web-based app had. And so, you know, here we are now and, and trying to be able to, 
you know, constantly improve the architecture, making it easier for, for new people who join the team to be able to figure out, you know, the right path on doing things. And I think when you have well-paved paths, it makes it a lot easier. It says, okay, here's my first A-B test. And I need to, to build something up and I got the design. If the design specs things, you know, in, in terms of this visual language with, with, with assets that are, are named and the components that use them are already built for you and, and, and it, the, the paved path is easier, um, then it works. And, you know, lots of companies go across, you know, come across this issue and they have different ways of approaching it. Some companies will just try and make an, an absolute abstraction layer, you know, taking something like React or, or that, that type of approach. And we've chosen not to do it, but we have centralized things that we can do across platform in, in terms of things like assets and, 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 and design elements, um, and then allow each platform to be able to figure out how to integrate it into their world to make it work. So it's nice to see progress on that. And then the, but the the other thing that I've been working on just over the last couple of days is another series of of kind of just do improvements to something that that has been productized. And I'm reminded again that you know the the, the path from a successful A/B test to a fully productized experience is oftentimes as long as the test itself ran, um, because. Things that you you say we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know exactly how it's going to work. We're going to let the test guide our decision making, and and somewhere along the line, you make trade offs, um, and and then when it comes time to productize and make it work everywhere on all devices and all languages, and and also kind of you know take the feedback that you have when it's been out on a, on a you know on a much larger audience. There are things that you have to do, and 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 some things that you think are going to be really simple tend to take a little bit longer. Who, who knew that? I never in the in the history of software development has that ever been the case. I'm pioneering that, that experience of things taking longer than you might have expected. And and one of those things. Uh, I think you are I think you are definitely a first. I've never heard of that before, John. Never. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I I'm working on 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 simple volume volume control and you think oh that's really easy it's just a matter of, of of having a button whatever the design is and having some different iconography to match the different states is it muted is it you know is high volume medium volume so do you want to react if people make changes what happens if the rocker switches on all, all these things that 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 we've dealt with a, with a long while but but you know what you may have noticed is that in the world of of media playback there are different expected sets of behaviors in different apps and, you know, an app like you know, Instagram video or, or something that has inline video has certain conventions that people are used to for how you pause something and different ways in which there may or may not be, you know, a full set of player controls. And then, of course, how they deal with, with volume and what happens with it. You know, typically if, if, if there's subtitles and the volume is muted, then subtitles go on. But in some cases, you you want audio and you want subtitles. It just depends, right, on, on what the context is. And then even... You know, sometimes, you know, you want things mute to begin with so it doesn't blast people, but then you may decide that you want to take the signal of, of a change in the hardware volume switch to, to mean now, you know, volume is, it, it, it's things are going to be unmuted. So there's kind of software unmute and then there's hardware unmute and all these different things. And so to make sure it absolutely works and, and changes are, are, are communicated to other cells that may be in a feed, Something that you thought was just going to be really simple tends to be slightly more complicated. So that's what I'm working with. So what you're saying is you've had a normal developer week, really? Yeah, precisely. That's that's what we deal with day in, day out, and I still love it. But there is nothing wrong with that. If we didn't love our jobs, I don't. I think I don't know. I I, I occasionally meet people in this job who who for whom and say, well, 
I do it because I, you know, don't know anything else, but I hate it, you know. But that tends to be in some corporate role where, you know, they're working on, you know, COBOL from 1948 and whatever. Yeah, the point is it's in an area where you're never going to get glamour anyway. And I guess, you know, the reality is I don't meet that many people in the context of things. But I... I do feel that we are blessed that we work in an industry where most of the time the people you meet, um, they may not like you and you may not like them, but we most of us like our jobs. And don't get me wrong, <laughs> there, are, there, are days when, there are days when we you know, we don't want to do it and there are, there are obviously sometimes organisational things or management things or procedural things or even programming things that just totally piss us off. But I, it, I think on the whole... Most developers you meet like like their jobs, and that's yeah. Even though they even though we all moan like shit about certain aspects of it, that you know, like the the Swift style is wrong, or the the way we do CI is wrong, or yeah, we all hate something about the way our our jobs operate. But we we just love, or or at least strongly like what we do, um, and that is actually pretty cool. It is, yeah. And it's still possible to maintain some humor. I don't know. I can I can share it a little bit that that you know uh, uh, you know more people are starting to come back to the office, um, and you know that you discover that they've had to change things around, and and if the buildings and sections and and, and kind of work areas have have not been occupied, maybe they've been doing things, and maybe you come in, and you find out that there's not electricity at, at, at your desk, but at the <laughs> desk right next to you, you know, has it. <laughs> so, you know, we have, we have Slack for doing anything. I have a lot of Slack automation so that if you have a problem with facilities, you just kind of like post a message there. And I said, I could post a message, but instead I'm going to make a video. So I made a video you know, where I'm bursting into tears and the person who's filming in the narrative is like, John, what's the matter? It's like, uh, I, came to, I came to my desk, which is normally over there, and there was no electricity in it. And I don't know whether that was their way of saying that I've been fired. So I had to go over to my colleague's desk. And when she finds out I'm sitting at her desk, she's going to kick my ass. So either way, I lose. So anyway, I, I have this tearful, then I kind of break uh, break uh, character and stare at the camera. It's like, could I have electricity at my desk, please? Pretty please. I, I posted into Slack with it with the message saying, "It's like you know, in the form of video, here's my request." And people are very happy. And at first, I was like, "Ah, oh, they're gonna find you know, you get pissed off." And not at all. They was like, you know, now on every Monday, any request for facilities that has to come in the form of a video like that. So. <laughs> That made me a little bit happier. <laughs> so, so basically, you are responsible for culture change at Netflix. So basically, people get even less done on a Monday than they used to. <laughs> oh, au contraire! I don't think that. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe I has spent about two minutes doing it. But in all honesty, I think that the value of of, of <laughs> letting your your basic humanity shine through at the at, the, at work is is well worth the, the the two minutes of lost productivity. But you know. I'll, I'll, it is true that I am I am really enjoying going back to the office and and remembering what it's like to be able to to get answers to questions or to give answers to other people and to to help your day go along much more quickly without without all the glitches of of you know poor digital substitutes for in person presence. Uh, yeah, I think again we've had this conversation quite a few times. So we won't go into too deep, but it it does depend on what you work on because like I think. There are many benefits of the office, particularly around problem solving, idea sharing, uh, and all that stuff. But equally, they are incredibly distracting places to work. 
Oh yeah, um, no doubt. Yeah. So and, and so it probably just about to me balances out that you could make either work, and there are pros and cons, and it may may just depend on the people you have and what it is you're working on. But um, yeah, yeah. So uh, total change of subject. Uh, looks like there's an Apple event next week. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> you sound like you're excited. I, I, well, I mean, I'm assuming that this is when we will get some blessed relief <laughs> for having a, a, a laptop powerful enough to, to, to deal with all Swift projects or majority Swift projects. Holy moly, I'm sick of having my, my machine frozen while SourceKit service runs or, you know, any of the other things that are... are are invoked as you as soon as you type two characters. As soon as it sees you type F U, then it's like, yep, F U. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna If you I'm wish to be obscene, then I'm gonna hang up. Yeah. <laughs> it it's strange, isn't it? Because I, I, I well obviously we're hoping that there's new laptops and um possibly, you know, there may be a twenty seven inch iMac. Um who knows? Uh but I think we're definitely expecting laptops. Now no one guest knows at the moment if we're going to see like a, a, a an m2 or maybe an an m1x and the way i'm defining that is an m1x is you know the it's the same as uh the same processor as an m1 but just with more cores more gpus more high performance cores more whatever the non-high performance cores are called or something like that so basically the same thing whereas i would say an m2 is where they've also done the you know, the next redesign uh that they do on, on the Apple chip, so that that's the distinction. Both, you know, both could have you know massive increases in performance and whatever else. But here's the thing: I'm very excited about this, and I and I want a new laptop. I I would love a you know a 15 inch or 16 inch MacBook Pro laptop with an M2 chip in and 32 gig of memory, um, and, and, and that would be really cool. Or a 27 inch iMac. I, if they release both, I'm going to be very torn, very torn. Um, of course, I used to mainly work off a laptop because I travelled a lot. Um, for for work and having a laptop was um, w- w- was very convenient. But you know, I haven't been anywhere to work for for years now, um, and you know, a lot of my travel was international. And I can't see that coming back soon. So actually, getting back to an iMac with this beautiful screen is really tempting and exciting as well. Um, so from from that side, I'm excited. Although I could be torn for choice, but the reality is, I have an M1 MacBook Air. Um, and it is a fantastic machine. Uh, it is, I, I've never once, it only has a 16 gig of memory because that's the maximum memory that the M1 current range of M1 machines take. Um, you know, and it is first range, of, but you know, it's, there would be absolutely no reason to change it. Not once have I ever thought this machine is too slow. Not once have I ever thought, you know, this machine, I use this for a piece of client work, the M1 I have, is this machine could do with 32 gig of memory, not once. And so it's really like, is this just like geekery uh, as opposed to need here now? Now, coming from an Intel laptop, my own personal laptop um, is is a Intel laptop. And, yeah, it's really slow. Um, I have another laptop, which is a client laptop, which is the 16-inch version, mine's of, of the laptop, and compared to the M1, it's really slow. Um, but, you know, we don't... To be honest, they could have stuck the M1 into the 15-inch laptop in the first place, and it would have been a great machine. It would have been a fantastic machine still with, with the bigger space and the bigger drives and, and the whatever else. Um, but 
But I am excited that it's the next stage up, and I'm I'm hoping we see. I'm sort of half hoping we see a redesign of the laptops so that they change because they've looked the same for a long time now. I think was it 2015 they did the last change, and that was like it wasn't a huge radical change. But based on Apple's recent experience with, you know, like the keyboards and everything, last time they did a change, I'm a little bit nervous of a change as well. So, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, I, you know, I as you heard. When when we first broached the subject, I'm almost I almost don't care as long as they give me the same thing, uh, but with a, a much faster processor than the maxed out Intel machine that I currently have, I will be happy. You know, and and I suppose you know I I, I don't know. I mean, it's like the you know all the times that, that Apple have tried to change the laptop, people kind of got their their. What am I supposed to say? They got their panties in a bunch. You know, it, it, it's, you know, they didn't like the touch, what would the touch bar, or they didn't like the keyboard, or they didn't like this, they didn't like that. And then there were clearly some problems and maybe things that were built that maybe ahead of its time or who knows. But I, I'm just at this point, give me a laptop that is as fast as you can make it because that's, that is, that's what I spend my, my hours pounding away on. Yeah, I think, I, I think right now, if I had to see, if you said, if you had to say, Right, you need to you need to pick something and wear with it. Um, I would, yeah, I think I'd like a twenty seven inch iMac back. A twenty seven inch iMac, thirty two gig of memory, the M two or whatever it is in there, the nice five K. They could, to be honest, they could leave the same five K screen that's been in the iMac for years. It's a beautiful screen. Um, uh, but if they want to make it a six K one, that's even better. I doubt they will. Um, and then I'd use the M1 MacBook Air for travel because my travel is a lot less now. So, you know, getting a laptop set up for travel, if you know, two or three times a year is not the same as getting it set up every couple of weeks for travel. So I think that will be my, my setup. So if you're asking me what I'm hoping out of it, I'm hoping that in a few weeks' time I can have a nice, shiny 27-inch iMac on my desk. That would be nice. <clears throat> well, gosh. Scotty, if if people want to just like give you endless amounts of money <laughs> so that you can have you know one of each and not have to make any compromises, where might they where might they send you that money? Well, they well, they can't send it via Twitter. I wouldn't trust Twitter with my money. Would you trust Twitter with your money? No, no. but but parenthetically, do you okay. know what your? <laughs> All right. So yeah. what you need to this is what you need to do. you need to put the money into a brown envelope. Hmm. And then you need to come to the parking lot, level four at <laughs> No, John, people can people can send me anything they wish. Cash, goodwill, you know Ill will. Uh, Ill will, uh, grand gestures, humorous jokes uh, on Twitter, which is the home of everything. I mean, there is nowhere else other than Twitter. Uh, and where I am, MacDevNet. And John, if if people want to want to sort of Shout at you because obviously now at your age your hearing is a little little less. How should they do that? <laughs> you know, my my if, if my hearing is a little bit less as of the the barrage of meanness that I've endured being associated with you and all the the, the world around you. Uh, but if so, if people want to speak to me in dulcet, calming tones, now that I need that more than ever, they can find me in the place where there's nothing but a symphony of of dulcet tones. <laughs> And that's Twitter, which also happens to be the, the, their new slogan is like, Twitter, we're still up. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but you'll find me as, as Jumbe, that's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. It's very true. We're still up. That's a... <laughs> oh, dear. Well, John, it's uh, many happy returns for 
for for the for the week. I hope it's um, you know hope it's not been too tiring at your age getting through the show, and um, you know go go have a rest and uh, uh, we look forward to speaking to you again next week. Well, thanks for coming to visit me at the retirement castle. <laughs> it was very kind of him. Yeah, it is. And uh, for all those who've come to visit us uh, on the podcast, uh, we hope that uh, you have not slipped into some form of elderly coma through the, through the talk going on today. And uh, we want to say thanks for listening. And until next time, you take care. Dumbass. You are such a dumbass.